Hi, this is Nick Shields, co-founder of Shieldless Magazine. I just wanted to preface this episode of Quarantine Call by stating that we recorded this interview the morning of Sunday, May 31st. This is just as the protests and riots were still kind of starting and we were just beginning to see it show up in our feed more and more. We do discuss it a little in this episode, but not a lot. I would like to state that Shieldless Magazine is a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. Ruben Barrick, my co-founder, and I have each made our contributions as individuals to the cause. Racism and discrimination is still a problem in this country, and skateboarding is no exception to that. Tuning in to this episode of Quarantine Call with Shieldless Mag. I'm your co-host, Nick Shields, and I'll be joined by Ruben Barrick. We are the co-founders of ShieldlessMag.com. On the line with us today, we have Greg Smith, aka Schmitty. Schmitty has worked for Thrasher Magazine, the Bible of skateboarding, for the last 20 years. He also runs his own podcast called Talkin' Schmidt. I wanted to have Schmitty on the podcast because he really inspired us to do these quarantine calls with his podcast. So we could talk to him about quarantine, how it's affected his day to day, a little bit about his history and the things that he's filmed and things that he's working on and his podcast and why he decided to do it and honoring his friends that have recently passed and uh, just get his opinion about some current events and uh, skateboarding in general. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you do, make sure to share it on Instagram and tag us at ShieldlessMag. Make sure to follow Schmitty at Talkin' Schmidt, and check out his podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Cheers. another episode of Quarantine Call with Shieldless Mag. I'm Nick Shields, co-founder of ShieldlessMag.com. On the line with me, as always, is the other co-founder, Mr. Ruben Barrick. What's up, Ruben? What is going on, y'all? Good morning. Good morning. And uh, on the line with us is a special guest, Mr. Greg Smith, a.k.a. Schmitty. How's it going, Schmitty? It's going okay. Yeah. Trying. Yeah. How are you guys doing? I'm holding up, man. Uh, I'm I'm in Portland, Oregon, and Ruben is down in San Diego, and um, yeah, wow. we're just trying to make it through all this craziness. But uh, so what do we what do we what do we uh, what do we doing? We're going to talk about the um, good shit or the bad shit or all this. Shit? <laughs> what do, I, maybe <laughs> everything, man. 
How's, well, first of all, let's talk about this. Uh, um, well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, like, should we call you Greg? Should we call you Schmitty? Is Schmitty something that only, like, your close friends call you? or? <laughs> no, basically my close friends don't know that my name's Greg. A lot of times, <laughs> like, after I've known someone for 10 years, they'll see, like, a piece of mail or something like that, and they'll be like, wait, your name's Greg? <laughs> yeah, most, oh, no. most people know me as Schmitty, except for, you know, my family, I think. Um, but uh, Rob Welsh has always told me, never go as Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Dang. Schmitty. well, we just revealed your identity then. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, uh, I'll give the, anybody listening to this a little background. Uh, uh, Schmitty works for, he's worked for Thrasher for decades now and also, uh, recently, last year started his own podcast, Talking Schmidt. Also, um, along with all the things you do with Thrasher, you help out with their podcast, the Thrasher Radio. And, uh, uh, your podcast has been a big influence on me. I'm a big skate rat, so I just kind of consume all the content that I can and, when I came across your podcast, so you're just like talking to your friends who happen to be rad skateboarders. And even the episodes you do with people who aren't professional skateboarders are, are super interesting. So, um, thanks for putting that out there and, and, uh, inspiring us, man. Oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, in episode, in episode 50 of your podcast, you did one that was all about you, uh, where your mm-hmm. fiance interviewed you and it was rad. And uh, some of our questions might cross paths with that, but if anybody wants to know a little bit more about Schmitty, that that episode specifically is really rad. Um, well, a little disclaimer, um, Cheryl, my fiance, said when I told her that uh, you guys were interviewing me, she said, well, this maybe is the interview that you were hoping to have done on your 50th episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, she did yeah. great though. I mean, it was so in depth and like voicemails from everybody. I was like, "Dang, this is rad." She, no, so, I know dang. she killed it, right? She did. Yeah, give her all the props because yeah, she. Yeah. I, I really I went back and listened to that to prepare for this, and I was like, "Dude, hey, she killed it." Yeah, yeah I was blown great. away. I got emotional. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, just reflecting on all that is is pretty rad. Uh, but, um, how, how is this pandemic and in, in quarantine treating you? Um, I'm guessing you're in San Francisco and you've been there for, th- through this whole thing. Yeah, that's correct. Um, been taking it pretty serious, you know, like, uh, at first I think I was very ignorant to the whole situation and I kind of, you know, whatever. But the minute that it was obviously not not real, uh, I kind of switched gears and, and dove into, you know, I've been wearing a mask if I go out, but we've been trying to stay in a lot, really. Uh, at first, I was staying in a lot, almost 100%, and I kind of, like, almost drove myself crazy so then I had to like start getting up early and going out in the morning before people would wake up and kind of been just doing like 
10 mile walks in the morning to kind of get my head straight and just to breathe some air and whatnot. But I still, like I said, I wear a mask when I do that and uh, I'm trying to just, you know, I understand there's a lot of conspiracy theories and all these people saying this and that. And, uh, I just, I'm kind of just abating, you know, just doing what I'm hearing is the thing to do. And why not? Like, I, I laugh at the people that are so angry about wearing masks because it's like, is it that big of a deal? <laughs> like, yeah, no, you can right. still breathe, you know, like, and if it's, if, let's just say there's a 25% chance that it saves all these old people's lives and, and like a lot of, uh, you know, destructive things happen. Even if there's a small chance of that, isn't it worth just doing it? Because like how, how much pain is it putting you in to put a mask on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. But like, I don't know, man. We could go down a rabbit hole of depression with everything that's going on. Like with, you know, the, the recent, um, news of, you know, just all the stuff that's going on, like the riots and stuff and the way people react to things. I think it's just really unfortunate because I, I, I totally, I am right behind everybody. Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, but, uh, you know, it's just, I feel like there's so many just punks and people that want to, like, destroy shit, and they're not even doing it for a purpose. They're just doing it mm-hmm. because they're able to. And it and and it's such a horrible look for society because it, it puts a blanket statement over everyone as opposed to, like, you know, like, here's guys on the news breaking Nordstrom's windows, let's just say, with skateboards. How does that make skateboarders look? That's a really bad look for skateboarders. And all the skateboarders are not doing that, obviously. But the the news will show all these extreme things and and paint Mm -hmm. us in such a bad way. So as skateboarders, I really think we have to be smarter than that and just, you know, do the right thing. I think it's great to march and, and to and to you know, be unity and all that stuff and, and make statements. But once it turns into destruction and fires and looting and all those things, sometimes I feel like you're just bringing yourself down to the level of what you're fighting against. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy like world that we're living in right now. And, and Ruben and I were just having a conversation about it before before he called in and um i mean i'm unfortunate i don't know i don't want to speak for Ruben. he can talk about it but like unfortunately this this uh sort of uh this sort of acts like might be the only thing that that makes a difference or a change in the world but yeah you're right it's not a good look for for uh skateboarding if the news is like uh only focuses on that but I, I, I kind of feel like it might be like elevated because everybody's been cooped up with this whole quarantine thing and everything, but absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. I was looking at it at that angle cause I'm, I'm wrapping my head around all this stuff and not to go down too much of a depression. Yeah. We can get silly and, and talk about <laughs> yeah. all kinds of shit. But, um, the thing is <clears throat> for me was like, whoa, here we are living in a, a new, 
time where nobody really understands what's going on or how to live, but what is being preached and and totally driven in is like social distancing so much that it causes this anti-opposite effect where everyone gets together and goes crazy. It's really interesting, you know? Yeah. Ruben, did you want to speak on that at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, to a certain extent, I think people are fed up with that um, and are definitely, have, you know, like being cooped up and having to practice that and be mindful of it is important for obvious reasons. I mean, we don't want to put other folks that might be more susceptible to getting COVID or, you know, <coughs> becoming seriously uh, affected by that with their health. Um, so yeah, as far as that's concerned, like it's important to wear masks, it's important to practice social distance, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just tough because regardless of what's happening right now, you know, and what has happened in the immediate past, like it's just, it's, I think people are just fed up in general because a lot of people feel that how many times does this need to happen for there to be a difference and for innocent people to stop being killed in the streets. I mean, especially predominantly black lives. And it's just, it's, it's definitely hard to see property being destroyed. And it's hard when the story gets spun so that it does have a negative portrayal of skateboarders. But at the same time, it's, it's tough because I feel like people are just so frustrated and I don't know how else you can get your message across really without people understanding the, you know, severity of the situation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're <laughs> not going to solve this issue. Uh, but uh, yeah. so we'll switch gears a little bit, go back to um, take it back to quarantine and like how, how did this affect your, um, your day to day? Like, routine from um working at Thrasher and whatnot. I'm assuming you guys had to switch to working from home. Pretty Yeah. Um it it was a little acclimation but it was pretty smooth. I, I'm really fortunate. I almost feel guilty. Um you know with a computer I'm able to do pretty much everything that I need to do. Mostly I've just been editing videos so um I just brought my computer from work to my house because it's a lot better than the computer that I own. Um, and I've just been editing a bunch of stuff and trying to stay busy um, through that. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Editing is a good way to do that. you got to put a lot of time and focus in there doing that. Yeah, and it, it really helps take your mind off things and, and pass time and, and all those kind of things. And um yeah, so I'm pretty fortunate. I look, I, I look out and see that a lot of people aren't, and I just, I'm just like counting my blessings. I'm, I, I never take it for granted. I'm really stoked. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I edit our videos for the magazine, and like there was one that I've been sitting on for months, and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. Like, oh, I can do it tomorrow, you know? Like it's quarantine. I got nothing to do. And, it took me weeks and until I finally sat down and, and got it done. But, yeah, once you get into right. that editing hole, you're like, oh, wow, five hours went by? That's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, the thing that's hard is having the refrigerator so close. It's become my best yes. friend. And <laughs> COVID-19, I, I kind of laugh about it. We talk about the COVID-19 is like you gain 19 pounds because you're just sitting in your house eating all day. <laughs> yeah, Dude, it's hard, man. Yeah, my off. I I mean, I call it an office, but I have this little nook where I have my com- computer and everything, and it's right next to my kitchen. Nice. Uh, How are you, Portland doing? Is it warming up? Oh yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's it's right now. It's it's a little weird on and off. Like one day it's like eighty five degrees, and then the next day it's raining and. So we're kind of in that in-between um, spring and summer section right now. But it's getting nice. Uh, I'm, I can't wait. I, You know, I I grew up in San Diego, me and Ruben both. And uh, uh, I moved I moved up here a couple of years ago. And that's, like, the biggest, the biggest, like, factor for me is, like, not even the rain, but just, like, not seeing the sun for, like, three months out of the year. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a change from what what part of San Diego are you guys from? Uh Point Loma, Ocean Beach. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then um I yeah, we both went to school out there and Nick grew up in OB and that was kinda like my home away from home. I I grew up in uh North Park, which is uh about ten, fifteen minutes away from there. Yeah, I know. I, I love San Diego. Yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> we we grew up skating uh, Shrakus Park, which is that you know Ocean Beach skate park. So, Hewitt oh, cool. and oh, yeah, he, yeah Hewitt and Hit were like some of the first pros that we ever met and shit. Uh, two of the best. Yeah, I'm so I'm hyped Love to see that guys. new that new indie track too that Hewitt got. That is that is a long time coming. Oh yeah, uh, sick yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Pete's the best. <laughs> yeah, man. He is, man. The, um, cause, do you live in the city of San Francisco or, or on the outskirts or? No, I'm, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, proper, uh, right. Wow. I'm like a few blocks from where the Giants play, right by oh, downtown sure. by the train station. Yeah. Oh, nice. I've yeah, spent some great. time in San Francisco that, I, I, Love that city, but I don't know if I could afford to live there. <laughs> yeah, it's been getting pretty pricey, but I don't know. For my money, it's the best city in the world, so I just stay mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I'm guessing you don't really have like a, a backyard that you could hang out in during quarantine and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge. Actually, is live apartment living is a lot tougher in the quarantine time. So. I mean, that's kind of what forced me to go outside. I think if I had a yard, I probably wouldn't even need to, like, go on these walks or, you know, do these things. But uh, since I don't, I I actually took my skateboard to this uh, spot uh, about a week ago and just did some slappies and stuff. And uh, it was the first time I've skated. Like, have we been in? It's like two and a half months or something, right? It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it felt so weird though. It was like I I don't know. I feel kind of a little guilt or like I'm doing something <laughs> wrong, you know? Like it's like whoa, there's nobody out, and you're you're like skating this spot that's like in the middle of the day. Normally there'd probably be a lot of people there, and so it's really interesting. Yeah, we uh, we were gonna ask you if you'd been skating at all. 
but just that one time. Now, yeah, just once. Um, I actually have gone out filming <sighs> probably five, five or less times. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I have, street you know. Skating or? Uh, yeah, I went street skating once, and then uh, my friend has, like, a little cement place in his yard um so we went there one day or i've been there twice and then uh, i went to there's these ditches that uh you know places where i kind of can film long lens and uh not be too close to other people i don't know like i said i'm taking this thing as serious as i can yeah i i the skate uh like nerd and the magazine guy in me have to ask what kind of camera setup you have oh i've been using the um gh5 a lot oh, you know i just oh, got nice one. yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, i've been using that a lot um i still have the hbx um which i always have with me but i've kind of been liking using different lenses and stuff and um I've been looking at those Sony cameras, though. I love the uh, low light sensitivity and um, Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know, might try to save up for one of those eventually. Yeah, I know Gregson shoots on a Sony, um, like AI7 or something. Uh, Yeah, that's a cool one. But I, during quarantine, you know, I've, I've uh, been skating, you know, more parking lots and street, and, like, I was like, man, I really want to, like, get more into filming and stuff, and uh, nice. I wasn't too stoked on the camera setup I had, so I found a GH5 for, like, a decent price and, like, a road video oh, cool. mic, and now I got a setup. I'm, like, super sparked to go film. What lens do you have? Um, so I have – I had another – Panasonic camera, so like I have the same lenses from that, but I've got a oh, most cool. I've got a, a Ronin eight millimeter fisheye for it, and then uh, my other favorite lens is the uh, this twenty wait what is it twenty four to thirty five millimeters maybe ah yeah cool yeah yeah it's cool it's a nice setup. Um, what, yeah, <laughs> I, my other camera, my other camera didn't have a mic input. And so like I had to record like audio separately and sync it. It was such a pain in the ass. So I was like, oh, I need yeah, a camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was Fuck like, I need a camera. It's so <laughs> but, um, have, how many, how, have you ever go to Burnside? Oh yeah. Yeah. I went there the other day and, uh, Right. And I I was there for like ten minutes and I slammed on my hips so hard it took me out. I was like, "Fuck, dude, uh, I can." I, I love that place, but yeah, it, it it got me. Are people skating there a lot, dude? It, I I mean, I was down there for the first time in a couple months and it was like a normal day. There was like ten, fifteen people there. Nobody was masked. You know, cars double parked up by the curb. It was. I was like, yeah, this is maybe yeah. not the best situation for this. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I talked to Gravette recently, and uh, he had just come back from the river. And uh, I was like, 
as we're going up there, he's like, man, you know, just like really tired of being indoors. I was like, what do you mean? You just came back from the river, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we did a, a little river day too. And like, yeah, same thing. There was a ton of people out, like no mask or anything. Yeah. So it's weird. But uh, River how, days in Portland. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, <laughs> but it's weird, like awkwardness out out and about right now. Right. How how has um the quarantine impacted your podcast? Because you usually record those in person, right? Have you and you've had to kind yeah. of switch over to more technological interviewing? Yeah, it's it, it it's been uh I don't know. It's been a tricky one because um yeah, I, I was trying to only do them in person. I think it's a lot better of uh experience when you're in the same room and you can kind of look at each other and feed off each other's energy and whatnot and uh but when <clears throat> this stuff happened i was like well this show must go on right <laughs> so <laughs> how do we do this and i think the first one i did uh yeah i've been using zoom and uh which i think is hilarious i don't know if anyone can help me with this but uh how did how, how did skype blow it how did zoom the new skype it's insane to me like it's like zoom what's that and then everybody's using zoom and it's like i don't know it's funny it's just like how uh fucking facebook took over myspace or something you're just like yeah, it's the yeah. same thing why why did this get all of a sudden so much better but uh anyhow i i've i've been using zoom and it's cool but like you know there's a little delay and it's a little weird like when you talk to someone and and they respond like a second later and those kind of things you get used to it but like i've just been uh trying to look at the positive which is now i'm just going to reach out to all these friends that like i wouldn't be able to sit down with so Mm -hmm. i've kind of built this new clause like my own rules for my own world you know which is uh i don't want to do any interviews with somebody that can come in and sit down with me right now i want to like reach out to people in new york hawaii other countries like whatever and kind of use this time as like, well, I'm going to use Zoom, so why would I interview, like, Chico Brenes when he lives in San Francisco? That doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've been kind of just trying to look at the positives, which, you know, we're so fucking fortunate. I mean, 2020, like, it's insane. Like, all the crazy shit that's happening, but then at the same time, the way that we're able to, you know, kind of deal with it is like, dude, apps Mm -hmm. that can order food from Whole Foods or Safeway or whatever and have it delivered. It's like (laughs) pretty crazy, man. Like, like, it's like, oh, the most craziest pandemic, but it was like, 
yeah, but we live in Silicon Valley and ev- and everything's computerized anyway. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I've just been trying not to get too depressed, you know, like it's really easy to get depressed. So you just got to kind of like look at the positive stuff and just kind of keep a mental, you know, the PMA, as they say. That's right. Yeah, we we were talking to uh, Jason Carney, and I was asking him like, what what would this be like, like if this happened twenty five years ago, you know, or like, oh yeah, what you know, it'd, it'd be so much different, and uh, oh, we'd all be fucked. <laughs> uh, it, it would be, it would be, yeah, it would be in like, it would be a whole other thing. But uh, would you? You'd be probably out skating even more, like just like fuck it, or like at Maybe. the doctor getting Xanax. <laughs> I think like I think anxiety would be like so through the roof for everybody, you know, like not yeah. not knowing how to like what the fuck? How do we do this? We have to wait for the newspaper or look at the news to actually know what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. going to be painted in such a weird way. It would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're fortunate to have the technology that we do. And yeah, to be able sure. to still just like FaceTime your friends and call them just to check in. And Absolutely. I mean, the hardest part is not being able to spend time with, you know, our parents. My, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have my mom and dad still alive and, uh, just not putting them at risk, you know, has been the biggest challenge for me because I, you know, they're getting old, 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 and it's like I want to spend quality time with them. And um, so this has been really hard for that. But, like, like you guys say, having FaceTime and stuff like that where you're able to at least, like, you know, not be there but at least see them and say hi or whatever and share your love, like, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, has it been um, like being quarantined with your fiance? Has has that uh, put any strain on the relationship? I know it's it's definitely a little weird in in my household, but we're getting through. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been um, like I think in the beginning it was a whole acclimation period to everything like what the fuck is going on how are we going to how are we going to do this we're not going to do it right the first try like all that kind of stuff and then you kind of get settled into this new way of living and then you just start nailing it you know like that's yeah. kind of with the skateboarding mentality I think like we have to think about it like that. Like, it's like, how am I going to land these tricks? How am I going to finish these edits? How am I going to like, you know, improve my game? And that's, you take that to life. And so like that, that's kind of where it's been. It's like evolving into this new way of living. And like, are we going to ever know? Uh, are we ever going to go back to how it was? We don't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what uh, my friend Jason Jesse says is, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> I always yeah. like that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. That'd be a good t-shirt or something, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Have you guys... What's going on in San Diego? Are the beaches, like, that's what I trip on, too, like... How is it okay to go to the beach, but not okay to go to the park? Like, there's all yeah. these weird rules. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been, it has been really interesting lately. I mean, I've seen people are slowly but surely starting to go back to skating parks, whether they've been officially reopened. Um, but yeah, I do think it's, I do think it's strange that people are allowed to be on golf courses and do all these other, Mm. you know, activities. But as far as skateboarding is concerned, it's always going to get the brunt of it, especially during times like this. And especially, I mean, I've seen, I've seen cases lately where, you know, our, our good friend Lefty, uh, he was skating at Chaka's Park and he was there by himself and he ended up getting arrested for skating at the park. It was crazy. Whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It's fuck. Did you guys see that clip of the dudes that actually dug out the sand in the Venice Park? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we did. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, that's like my wow. first. Hey, shout out to Lefty though. Fucking love that shit. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, he's. We grew up with him. Like we all went to middle hey. school together. <laughs> yeah. well, one of the raddest things is seeing that fucker do a sweeper on vert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, sweeper is sweepers with the left hand. He's regular foot. He's got no other arm, and it's just like. All or nothing. It's so <laughs> rad. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a man. We had him on the podcast, too. It was, it was rad. Oh, cool. How are you guys feeling with these podcasts? You, you, Are you doing it just for the quarantine, or are you guys going to keep it going after, or what? You know, that's like – that's kind of what we – what I've been thinking about, you know, like it – it just happened like we have this online magazine that's just like a website and we uh, started it last year and then quarantine hit and I was like, dude, we need some sort of content to put up because we can't go out like filming and, and taking photos for interviews and stuff. So uh, I was like, let's do this podcast. We just call our friends and talk to them and like, you know, we could post it for free and edit it like it should shouldn't be too like gnarly. And it's been rad. We've been doing it for two months now. We're on episode 22, and, like, there's no shortage of people to talk to. But, uh, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not sure if, like, I, we're going to, like, kind of reevaluate, I think, at, like, episode 25 and, and do a little recap and maybe th- think about, like, what sh- we should do, if we should keep it going or not. Like, it is called Quarantine Call, so are we going to do it outside of quarantine? I don't know. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way that we could adjust and maybe have it adapt and change the title a bit. But a lot of, you know, what we do here for Shieldless and why we started the mag is simply just to check in on our friends and, you know, make sure that everybody feels supported. Like, especially with the passing of Ben Ramers and a lot of other things that have happened in the skate community, like, we feel it's always important to, like, check in, see how everyone is doing. And I think that's a good motivator to try and keep that going in any other format that we can, whether it stays with quarantine call or that turns into something else. Fuck yeah. Yeah, That's right. I think think it's a good way. You could always just call it post quarantine call or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it would be kind of cool to just keep the name and like as an ode to how it started. Like, I don't really mind that too much. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think it's cool to have these, um, this kind of capsule of an interview with somebody for this time period as like a timestamp and like, 
you know, we've seen a lot of losses in skateboarding over the last few years, and, like, God forbid something happens to another one of our friends, but, like, if it does, we will always have this conversation to go back to, and, like, I I find, like, a lot of comfort in that. Absolutely. Um, which is, like, what do we bring... think about the people that do selfies, though, with... Um... I was tripping on that one. Do you guys ever trip on that one? Like what the guy mean? that has his whole folder of him and selfies with as many different people as they can. So <laughs> one of those people dies, he's the first one to put it on Instagram. Uh, that's fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of you know? weird. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> dude, come on, man. The, the, his parents didn't even find out yet that he was dead, and, and they had to find out because – you had to be the first one on Instagram with a photo with you and the guy. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah. 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 That shit bums me out, man. I've lost a lot of important people in my life. And Mm -hmm. the the one thing that I will say, I'm not great at anything, anything Uh really. But like one thing that I'm not good at for sure in my mind is dealing with how other people deal with death because I've watched a lot of gross stuff, and that's that's just fucking like, dude. These people mattered a lot to some people, and I don't know. Some of that stuff just kind of irks me. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but yeah. Well, you know that I did want to ask you, like, because in listening to Talking Schmidt, anybody that listens to it, like, you were close, very close with uh, P Stone and, and Jake Phelps, and like. I, I love in your podcast to hear stories about them from somebody who is so close to them because to me they're just these figures in skateboarding that um I never got to know and like it's cool to hear stories like mm. from somebody who is so close to them. Was that like a conscious effort when you started your podcast to like remember your friends like that or did it just come naturally with the <clears throat> conversation? Well, you know, it's it, it I think I think that what happened was yeah, I think it I'm not 100% sure but if I'm re relooking at it I would say that I was kind of in a weird place and I wanted to do something I had done I don't know if you guys know about the blog that I did well it's still up but I don't really do it anymore but there was a thing called Epically Trice that I had with uh a few of my close friends and we were kind of making fun of Epically Latered um <laughs> tongue in cheek um to get to get it going because those were our friends too on the East Coast basically Odell and these guys in New York had this kind of cool guy like here's me in New York at the Max Fish with fucking Jerry Sue or Spanky and, <laughs> and like Neckface and and we like it this is way before blogs like it was one of the first blogs that I ever kind of saw and just the name blog was funny enough right and uh <laughs> yeah. so then we kind of were piles and we were just this is when I was drinking a lot and uh we started taking the piss out of it and we'd be like, Oh, look at me. And just some random dude in San Francisco. He's like the spanky of SF or, or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 and we were kind of like tongue in cheek, making fun of Odell and those guys. 
Uh, and Pat loved it, I think. I mean, he's always told me, as I don't know what he really thinks, but uh, <laughs> anyhow, long story long is that that kind of got old, and obviously with Instagram and everything, um, blogs just became, you know, everybody was doing it live, so what's the point in doing it a day later, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And so I was getting into podcasts, and then I got – um how it always happens for me is just I get set and I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I <laughs> and so Same. it was like towards the end of December and I was like, I'm going to start a par- podcast January 1st and do it once a week, every week for this whole year. So it's kind of like a New Year's resolution type goal type whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of people, so I jokingly was asking people about like, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. We don't need another podcast. And I, <laughs> I was getting a little bit of negative feedback and, and then a few people kind of challenged me, which was like, there's no way you could do one every week for a whole year. Um, because I do have a full-time job and I, I, I live a pretty busy life, right? Um, mm-hmm. So this was going to be on top of that. Um, I just dove into it, and I was like, I'm going to do it. And uh, part of my fuel was like hearing someone say, you know, whenever someone says you can't do it, that's when you do it. And uh, it just happened to be, coincidentally, I think, um, Preston had passed pretty recently, and – Three months into it, Jake died. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of heavy loss for me. Um, Hubbard had died even more recently. Preston was dead, I think, a year and some change. And Hubbard had died after that. And then Jake had died. So those were like three, like, of skateboarding. I don't know. To me, they were just all three so fucking important to this thing that I grew up loving and became my life. And, and so like, how the fuck are we going to do this without one of them, much less all three of them? Um, and I think to answer your question, I'm sorry if I rambled, but, uh, basically I think that, um, part of the way to keep going was to, keep them in our lives with our stories and and you know i i'm weird because i don't really like let's do it for the ones that can't i just hate <laughs> these and these things where people like grab on to these slogans and kind of like i don't know i i think yeah. that we're more creative than that that's why we're individual skateboarding we're not teams we're not we're not like this pack of wolves, right? We're like, you're yeah. you, I'm me. And you can say, let's do it for the ones that can't in your own way. You don't have to take an easy way out and just throw that verbiage out and be lazy about it. Like, if you really mean it, be passionate about it and come up with something cool. And and add, and that's going to add to it, right? So I kind of thought of it like that, Um from my own perspective and kind of each guest gets to like share something new and unique and, and have 
a tie-in probably because you're my friend and we were all friends, so we spent time together, and it came organically, not forced, I, I feel like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's what awesome. that's what makes it special. Yeah, because you don't have to have that blanket statement. I mean, I think, I think it's easy for people to get caught up in those things and kind of like trivialize it. But you know, you can still preserve the memory of the people that you cared about in a way that's unique by telling stories, by doing it in that way right. instead of just you know having it be super generic and not meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. Man, we shared so many fucking laughs, and and we cried, and and we skated the best shit, and we went to the worst places on earth, and and the worst <laughs> cities, and and we'll always remember that shit. And like, I think what you guys said earlier about documenting things, like I think that's important. As somebody that's always kind of had a camera in my life, it's been like something that's been a constant, which is. I needed photos and then video came along and I kind of moved into video more than photography, but I still love to shoot photos. And what's the common theme is that I'm documenting these times of my life that are special that knowing me, because I don't have a memory like Jake Phelps, I need these assistances to help me remember the best, worst, uh, ugliest, most beautiful, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I can definitely relate to that too, because like I don't have the best memory either. And also, like like Reuben said, part of the magazine is like you know checking in on our friends and stuff. And and to use a cliche, uh, but like that reigns true to me. That I think is important is like giving people their flowers while they can still smell them. Like. This is our way of being like, I think you're rad and what you do is rad. And I want you to know that now and not later, you know, I like that. I was always <laughs> thinking about uh, having a funeral for someone that's alive so they could hear everybody <laughs> in their life. Talk. You know, like all these people that talk, me and Jake used to say this all the time. All these fuckers that talk shit about me all day, every day, they're going to be the first motherfuckers to put on Instagram how much they love me after I'm dead. Like, fuck yeah. all y'all. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's true. I see it. I see these fuckers that always talk shit on Jake, and now they're on this weird bandwagon of death that I don't understand. Like, it's like, why are you praising this dude when you never did when he was alive? I was there, dude. I saw you. I, wanna, I, I would never name names, but, like, I think these people go to sleep and they realize who they are. Yeah. yeah. I see. You know? I heard, uh, I went back and listened to, uh, Jake's episode of, of the Blunt podcast and, uh, and he like calls them out. He was for, on there? Yeah. Like a few <laughs> years ago. I gotta check that out. That, that's one I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, right on. And, uh, yeah, he calls them out for calling him Felper. Like, he's like, don't call me Felper or Phelps. My name's fucking Jake Phelps. He's like, you don't know. Yeah. Me. I was like, that's great because like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, but you see everybody on Instagram uh, like Felper and, 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 yeah. uh, yeah. And it was like, yeah, you don't no, know. The best but. is like, you know, it's hard because I talked to this with Cheryl a lot, my fiance who, 
um, fortunately for me, has no real knowledge of skateboarding. I, I, I like that about her that like she has this whole kind of like look at it from an outsider's perspective and it can kind of give me perspective sometimes when I'm over fascinating, right? Um, yeah. But she brought to the point because I was getting like some bitterness and, and weird thoughts about like, Look at this dude just got Jake's glasses tattooed on him. He's never <laughs> like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And, 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 and she's brought up a good point, which was, Hey man, these people are larger than life. Like they meant a lot to people that never met them because of what they do. And, uh, that's true. You know, like it's, it's really interesting to see how many lives have been touched by um people that are special to you you know it's 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 another thing that you you really sometimes don't get to acknowledge until it's a little later like you know when someone passes there's a lot of things that happen through death that um are really just it's you know they talk about all these levels of grieving and and whatever and um it's fucking crazy, man. It's really interesting. It's, it's okay to swear on here, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> okay, Please, yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, um, I sometimes say the F word a little, <laughs> but a lot. So it's fine, um, <laughs> this is an interesting, uh, like, dynamic, this conversation between us right now, because me and Ruben are those people that, like, your friends affected our lives, even though we never met them. And, like, it, yeah. like, like Jake, um, I, I've seen him. I, I don't know if I'd ever, if I had, like, gone up to him, but I've seen him at, like, Buster Bale at the sports arena or, uh, when I was at Potrero and that stuff. And it was like seeing, um, a, a, a pro skateboarder, you know, it's like, it's like running into, uh, you know, Steve Cavalera or something. You're just like, oh, that's like this dude who's done no, all these Stevie things. Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like running into Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, and that's cool that you got the tattoo. I wasn't talking shit. No, I don't have the tattoo. Like, no, no. The glasses look good on your left thigh. I, I like that. That's funny. Uh, dude, you were at the sports arena Buster Bale, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Was that um, how? How many contests have you been to in your life? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. <laughs> a lot or a few uh, or what? No, I mean, I was I was there spectating. I wasn't skating, but uh, no, I, I'm, yeah, I know. I've. I mean, there was that one. I've been to like you know, so San Diego used to do these Am Slam contests. I would go to a couple of those, but. I haven't I haven't been to many, but that was like right. I actually worked right next to the sports arena, and I went there right after work and like saw all these people hucking. It was insane. That's some photos from that day. Served. Yep. I watched it. I have a photo. I I had this little Leica camera, and I was shooting whatever photos I could, and I had this one of like right after he got smoked, where he just like looks so out of it. Damn, yeah. I, I, wow. And now, you know, that um, contest, so Jake was there, obviously, and Ryan Desenzo kickflips it, and he looks at that, and he's like, 
that dude has a fucking wicked kickflip. And he's <laughs> like, I bet he could kickflip this gnarly double set in San Francisco. And he basically ordered it like a pizza. Ryan <laughs> comes up on fucking New Year's Eve and we go out there and he kickflips this double set that had only been ollied um, till that point. And I remember that. one of the biggest kickflips ever. And man, that was cool. But it was all sparked by that contest. Yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, I remember that contest was special too because P Guns frontside flipped it and just like laid oh, it down. Yeah. Hometown and hero. Hometown hero. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, sure. Like Jocelyn, like big spend it or whoever, like hard flipped it. But like this dude is from here and he just fucking did like, a, you know, the frontside flip is one of those tricks where it's just like beautiful, you know? <laughs> but, Damn. And I mean, Tommy guns. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> Chula Vista, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Nick, you, yeah. you got a good you got a good photo on your Leica too. After the contest was over, it was there was Jake and T Guns, and then who else was in the photo? I think Nexus. Yeah, it was yeah. like when they gave T Guns the money. It was here. Oh hell yeah! Nice uh, man. Uh, yeah, you, you guys, guys have him on the show? Um, no, we haven't yet. Um, but I would like to. He's, he's, you guys, he, you guys should do a thing where the guest picks the next guest. <laughs> How about that? Like That's that. a challenge. You're like, Smitty, who do you want us to interview next? I'm like, I want Tommy Guns. Next episode, <laughs> Tommy Guns. Tommy, who do you want next? I want fucking the Chief. That would be sick. But then there's always that, like, will that person want to do it? <laughs> and can they do well, it? Well, the guest has to help get somebody they think there they we go. get on, you know? There we go. I like that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, conversely, who who would you want to be next on uh, Talking Schmidt or Thrasher Radio? Well, next on Talking Schmidt, which airs every Tuesday, by the way. I just yeah. plug. I hate to do it, but I got no, no. Uh, every Tuesday. Um, this Tuesday is Laban uh, Laban, uh, not James Laban, but Laban Fajitas. He's an old. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. Do you know who he is? No, I don't actually. He's, uh, he he was on Blockhead back in the early days, and then he um, became a pretty prominent filmmaker. He makes like uh, music videos now and does a lot of stuff in Hollywood with his camera, but he was rad. He was like uh, in big brother a lot. And uh, he, he was pro for blockhead. And then following him is Chris Pastris. Oh, oh right. that's sick. So I'm doing my, so that's going to be this Tuesday's episode 74. The following Tuesday will be episode 75. And what I'm doing for that right here, exclusive news. Nobody knows this yet. <laughs> Wait, when's this going to air? Is this going to uh, air before then? I think this is going to be out on, on Friday. This Friday? Yeah. Okay. Well, so you're listening to this on Friday. In three days will be episode 75, Chris Dune Pastris, 
the first <laughs> ever video interview. Of Whoa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Skypers, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the YouTube world. We're coming yes. after your comments because I haven't had any haters out there been commenting on my podcast, and I need some hate. Coming <laughs> with your attacks. Oh my God, you just fucking everybody's got to talk <laughs> shit and judge. So here we come. We're opening the floodgates, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Just uh, just a uh, sarcasm in case you can't see my dolphin shorts. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> I got a request. When I these are the obvious ones, but when are you gonna have uh, Burnett and uh, Frank on there? Yeah, um, well, Frank may be sooner than Burnett, but I do do Thrasher Radio with Frank, and mm-hmm. uh, we've been kind of struggling with how to do that with the quarantine, though. That's been a little, um, yeah, a little challenging. I we're we were we might do a test drive here with uh, somebody that. It you know just to see how it would work and stuff. Um, but Burnett, I actually asked Mike if he would want to do one, and I said I know you're busy, but uh, if you ever want to do it, you just call me because the door is always open for you, buddy. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I don't know when that one's gonna happen. Now, would you guys want to hear Burnett on there? Hell yeah, I'm Absolutely. sure he's got thousands of stories. I mean, anybody yeah. you work with, really, like like Joe Brooks or Rhino, like any of those guys, I would love to hear from. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, for you guys? You you guys approach those guys or no? I we've so I've I've DM I've sent DMs just like hail Mary, see what happens, but I haven't heard back. Uh, I would love to get Rhino on, but uh, I don't know if he would be into something like that. Just hit him up, dude, and tell him, like, fucking San Diego represent. Like, uh-huh. one thing about Rhino is he's from the East Coast, so he has that East Coast mentality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's San Diego forever. Like, I think he's lived in San Diego longer than he did the East Coast by now. So yeah. you got to yeah. just tie it in somehow. Just tell him you're going to give him an indie plug or something. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> we've, we've met him a couple times. We had our... Our friend Eduardo on the show, who works at Slappy's Garage, who kind of knows him, and uh, we were tr- all trying to guess how many Thrasher covers he's shot. So we need to get him on the show to figure out if he knows how many he's shot. Rhino? Yeah. Mm, Eleven. Eleven? He already yeah. got the number dialed. There we go. I yeah. thought it was going to be more than that. Who has no. the most? Burnett. Steve Caballero. Oh, who's shot the most? Yeah. Uh, probably Burnett. It's his magazine. Like, you know, <laughs> so I'm guessing Mike, but uh, I don't know. Because early days, I bet Kevin Thatcher had a lot. Luke Ogden had a lot. Bryce Knight had a lot. Mofo had a lot. Um, but I, I don't know. Burnett's been here for a long time. Yeah, that's a good question. I would guess Burnett, but that's (laughs) my guess. 
while we're on the topic of Thrasher, you, according to the contents or uh, the staff page of the latest mag, your name is under online content manager. What exactly does uh, the online content manager do? And how did you get that does, position? Well, it does the exact same thing that the web slinger did in the, in the <laughs> 2005. Because <laughs> if you go back to 2005, I was a web slinger. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know about the, um, content page and who makes those titles up and, and what they mean. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, um, what's going on now is more of a, uh, everybody, you know, all hands on deck approach before it was a lot more, um, kind of everybody had titles and did certain things, but now I feel like everybody's just trying to come together and make the best thing we can as a, as a unit. So, um, you know, there's people proofing the text, there's people writing the text, there's people editing the videos, there's people overlooking those edits, and it's all kind of like not really one person or the other. It's just like all of us kind of coming together and just doing it as a, um, you know, as Thrasher Magazine. Yeah. yeah. How How many people... Uh, do you know off the top of your head, like, I know there's a lot of, like, independent and, like, freelance people, but how many people work at Thrasher generally? In the building or for the mag? Like, in the building. In the building, it's probably, like, 21. Um, for the mag's probably, like, I don't know, 35? Yeah. So that's a decent amount of people. I mean, it's not a ton, but... I'm sure a lot of Yeah, I bet you if that. you came to the – yeah, I always wonder if when people come to the MAG for the first time, are they overwhelmed or underwhelmed? It's, it's, <laughs> I feel like we're a really small I, – I mean, I think that we all do a lot more than mm-hmm. – you know, we're, we're all doing a lot of things and making a lot happen, and uh, – to me, it just feels the best way to do it. I, I don't think I would work very well with a, in a corporate setting where like you have to like go send this to like five people that send it to five more people and it takes like a month for your video that you made to come back and you have all these bullet point notes on what to change and how to do this and do that. It, it feels like it just takes out all the flavor and became sterile. And I, I've always thought that timely is so much more important than quality. I mean, the quality is so important, obviously, but there needs to be a fine line between making it a piano, you know, this perfect thing, which never, there's nothing perfect. So, live with some of these mistakes and put it out because guess what? The next video is in two hours. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The longer you wait, the less time people have to watch it. It's it's there's endless content and it's, and, uh, it's crazy times. I think a lot, a lot of, we've talked about this with other people too. Like I think if you're not in the industry, you don't really realize how small 
a lot of it is. And like, mm. like we talked to some friends at Zero and it's like, like you think Zero Skateboards is legacy company and like, it's probably like pretty big, but it's like five dudes like running it, you know? Um, right. I'm sure a lot yeah. of stuff like that. Well, how is, how is, cause you've been at Thrasher for how long now? Like 20 years? Yeah, it was 20 years last year, so I think this yeah, is like... Congrats, cool. man. Yeah, man. Thank you. That's quite uh, a legacy. Yeah, I, I, I really, you know, like I said, I don't take anything for granted. I really appreciate where I am, and I'm, I know that I'm, I'm just so happy to be doing what I'm doing. I, I've been doing it for a long time, and sometimes that can give you a little sense of, feeling jaded or what but like every day i just i'm so stoked it's it's pretty crazy to think growing up as a kid that you had this idea in your head and then you kind of executed it you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i think that's uh, it's like i mean we started our own magazine because i was you know like and and calling it a magazine it's really more of a website until we we finally do something in print but uh like yeah i mean that would be the dream like working at a skateboard magazine and fortunate um and we're in the age to where we can kind of do it ourselves but yeah working yeah. at trash or whatever is always like every skateboarder's dream i think yeah, I mean, you just in case there's some semi non-skaters listening to this, um, what you need to emphasize is that it's not working at a skateboard magazine. It's working at the best skateboard. Magazine. <laughs> yep, and that's right. The only I mean, skateboard it, magazine. It's, it's the not only is it the only skateboard magazine. But if you go into the airport, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not that many magazines left. Yeah. And so we're yeah. we're like a magazine that's thick, mm-hmm. and we're kicking ass in 2020, which is insane for skateboarding. But I mean, overall in life, like like Sports Illustrated, Rolling Stone, these magazines are paper thin or obsolete or digital only, and and we're still doing it. And you know, you thank your blessings every day for that kind of thing. It's it's unbelievable and. uh I think, though, when you talk to people, too, and it it might seem egotistical, and I hope it does not because I'm not egotistical (laughs) at all. But what I do think is that our drive with the passion that all of our employees have comes through with that. And I'm not taking away from any other people out there that are doing it or have done it, but something that we've all – you know, done together is like kept the passion and the fire burning for each other and realizing like, Hey, we're at Thrasher. Where else are we going to go? This is, this is the pinnacle for us. And that shows that, you know, a lot of us that have worked there have worked there for a long time because we didn't want to go anywhere else. If you look at other people that work in, in the industry, you see these guys like Mike Sinclair, for example, that's worked at like 40 different companies, right? And uh-huh. that's not a knock against him, but he never worked at Thrasher. And if he did, maybe he would have stayed there longer, right? So that's how yeah. I look at it. Yeah. One 
the one of the things that um, I did want to ask you is like, has it? You've been there for so long, but most more recently since it is the only print mag left. Like, what has changed in the last like year or so since it's been the only magazine left on the stand? Is there more yeah, pressure, or is it easier? Or? I think it depends. I think that there's always pressure because, man, I never, like I said, like every day I, I, I work at Thrasher and I, I talk to you and I talk to a lot of these guys about it. And, and whenever we're on a bad one or something, cause everybody has bad days and, and go through bad times and, and, and they use their friends to like help pick them up. Right. And, like a lot of the common things that people say to you when you're not doing so hot is like, dude, we work at fucking Thrasher magazine. <laughs> like it doesn't get better than that, you know? And it's not, it's not cliche or cheesy. It's just like, it's a real thing. And you're like, Jesus Christ. I, I went to Disneyland last year and I saw so many kids wearing Thrasher gear and I'm like, yeah. That's unheard of in my earlier life. Like to go to LA and see Thrasher was hard, but to go to an amusement park and see it, it was like, no way. And now like, it's all over the place. And like, it's just really, really wild, man. But uh, what I would say is the pressure is there because you know that everybody's gunning for it. Like some kid wants to do what you're doing. Your job is so desired. So that alone adds a lot of pressure, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, supply and demand. There's only like, whatever, 21 jobs, and there's a million kids that want them. Like, yeah. that's pretty crazy. But uh, the good news for the other ones um, is I think it's just, like, you know, like I said before, with this uh, pandemic, um, part of the thing that we're fortunate is that the other magazines don't exist um, for print, which gives us more content options when we're going to be having a harder time getting content, right? Because mm -hmm. we're trying to abide by these pandemic laws and so people are going out and shooting photos less and less, but we have so much stuff coming to us because we are the only one. That makes the pressure a little easier, but I think personally that the world needs at least one other skateboard magazine. I, I don't like being the only one. I like having like something else, you know, another look at it or a little, if you want to use the word competition, whatever it is, I think it helps push each other when there is a little fire under your ass. Um, we're all, you know, very well experienced in what we're doing. And so we don't really need, um, a fire or the drive is there for us, you know, but as the, as a overall magazine, I believe like having a trans world or a big brother or uh, the skateboard mag, whatever helps keep you like, we got to outdo that one. You know, there mm -hmm. is that competitive nature and that only makes you better and stronger.
Yeah. Yeah. So those are interesting, but you know, to, to be honest, the, the internet and Instagram and that stuff, I think has become so much more important to the, the younger generation. Um, I don't know how much kids like does a young kid want to have his photo on Thrasher Instagram more than he wants a full page in the mag? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You know, but it's crazy to me to think that because to me, it's a no brainer full page in the mag because that's forever. You can yeah, never yeah. take that out of that mag and that mag is forever. That Instagram post, it's going to get followed by another one. It's going to get buried. It could even get deleted. And yeah. it could be followed by a lot of comments that are derogatory or negative and kind of ruin your moment of like, whoa, I finally made it, right? Uh, and the mag is just the mag. That's one thing Jake always told me was, this is fucking Thrasher, man. Those yeah. clowns will. Those clowns were not here when we started and they won't be here when we're done because we're never going to be done until we're out. Yeah. Well, you know, I can, uh, I can attest that Thrasher posted, uh, reposted a drawing that I drew in 2014 when they were like reposting hashtag Thrasher art. And that was really cool, and I was really hyped on that. But, yeah, I would rather have, like, a page in the mag for sure. <laughs> or even, like, a photo right. graffiti or something, you know? Well, right. Yeah, photo graffiti is, like, next level these days. It's like, those photos are pretty sick now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well the most amazing. recent one was, like, all, like, professional uh, people skating in their homes and stuff, so. <laughs> All right. You, here's here's what you do. You go to that T Funk's on the cover, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And and you go to that photo graffiti page, and the first person that can email me talkingschmidt at gmail dot com with the name of the guy in photo graffiti that's wearing a Talking Schmidt shirt, I'll send you a T shirt. <laughs> All right. If you're right on, let's go do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's some good incentive right there for sure. Look at look at that. Is that a um what do they call those? Uh when you plug yourself um without any guilt. <laughs> shameless, shameless self promotion. Shameless promotion. There you go. Yeah. Shameless self promotion. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, no, no shame here at Shieldless, dude. <laughs> yeah, and how about? Well, I'll put it like, if anybody gets in the mag wearing a Shieldless shirt, that'll we'll we'll send Ooh. you a care package. <laughs> yeah, steak dinner, big one. Yeah. Yeah. Steak, and for you vegans, there's a meatless steak. So yeah, we'll do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys have shirts. Yeah, we do. We have a little online store, uh, cellardoor dot thecellardoor dot com. Uh, Matt oh, Eversall's cool. uh, kind of skateboarding marketplace is we we have a merch page and we actually got some new baseball tees coming this week. So, oh, right. Are those things? How do those do? Do you do you move some? Well, we did um uh we did a run of shirts uh. 
man, it, it's been a minute, probably like, you know, nine, eight months ago. And, uh, they went, they, they moved really, really well for us. And that was still when we were pretty new. So it was awesome. And then once all the sizes kind of dwindled out, it's only just once in a while now because we only have like the random small or medium or whatever, you know. Right. But, uh, but yeah, we don't. It's so cool when you feel the love and get the support, man. Huh? Oh, it's amazing. Especially oh, if somebody man. you don't know orders off your site, you're like, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I want to make more merch and like that's that's my goal, but. It's kind of like I got to make one thing, and then the money I make off of that goes to another thing. Right. Uh, yeah, we just did a T-shirt that um, basically Jason Jesse uh, drew the logo, and then my friend Zarosh, he printed them um, so we could get them done really uh, affordable rate. And then all the money that I made on top of that we gave to uh, UCSF for uh, – the COVID, the fight against COVID, um, for the PPE stuff, like, uh, masks and, and all that stuff. Yeah. We oh, got a thousand awesome. bucks and I was pretty hyped on that. Sick. That's rad. Yeah. That's an awesome contribution. We, yeah. You know, just shit like that, like makes you feel good, like doing good stuff. Like it, it kind of brings me back to the original thing and I hate to harp on it. I, I'm not trying to get too negative here, guys. I want people <laughs> to laugh and, and, and have fun. But, uh, I, I just believe that there's ways if you just stop for a minute and take time to use your goddamn brain that you can actually do something positive instead of just like react like a, a kid, like, I was I was young and I was punk and I and I wanted to rebel and all that stuff and I understand it but if you're really wanting to make a statement and you're really wanting to like do something like because you want something good to happen I don't think the way to do it is by destroying things and stealing and all that stuff I think that you can you know I'm not saying there's an easy answer for this stuff but I think that if you think about it, you you can do something that you might feel a little bit better about than than those actions that I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I I agree, and that that's rad that you uh, were able to contribute like a significant amount of money to something so pressing. Did it? That it made me feel good. From skate, and it came from skateboarding, which is it just goes to show that. So, there's there's so much good that can come out of it if you put your mind to it and make it happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, like I said, we're we're all creative people here in the skateboard world. Like you know, you, you're trying to create something, and so don't be lazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's amazing how skateboarders are so such creatives and like. That's also a big thing with our, uh, with Shieldless is like, we kind of try to focus a little more on skateboarders who are doing cool things outside of skateboarding, like, or, you know, outside mm -hmm. of like the physical act of skateboarding, like people who are artists right. or musicians or run companies. Oh, or, yeah. Like you and your podcast. Like that's, that's what Aww. I'm attracted to. That's what I like to see. That's kind of what have you like, guys seen? Have you seen that woodwork that Dandra Hobel is doing? Oh, amazing. The cutting boards and everything. Yeah, it's so cool. So That's good. rad. Uh, 
speaking speaking of which, we were going to ask, just talking about creative endeavors, we're, you're in the process of making a documentary about China Banks, yeah? Yeah, I am, actually. <laughs> you sound real stoked <laughs> on it. <laughs> well, you, you know... It's one of those things like, did you let the cat out of the bag too early? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, it's interesting because, like, I don't think anyone can do it besides us, so it's fine. But it it is also kind of like uh, it's going to take a lot of work. There's a lot to do. Um, it's 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 such a historical spot in the city that we love so much that it's kind of a story that's a little more important than a lot of the other things that I work on. Um, so it's it's definitely dear to my heart, and I just feel like I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to make it, you know, it has to be right. I have to have the right people involved. I have to have uh, the right um, archival. Like, there's there's a lot to go into it. But uh, it's going to be an interesting challenge. Um Right now, obviously, it's probably kind of on hold because I don't think that I'm really down to do, like, the type of interviews that I need to be able to do, um, mm-hmm. per se. But I have been using the time to, like, go through the archival, and I've been talking to Tobin and different photographers and trying to get, like, a bunch of photos sent and kind of, like, organize things by era and stuff like I don't know. Have you guys ever been there? It's a gnarly spot. It's so hard to skate, and people yeah. that do shit on it are so fucked. It's like you look at something, you're like, oh, you did a frontside 50-50, and you're like, yeah, that is so gnarly. You <laughs> try to get up there. Yeah, yeah we've been there together, me and Ruben. Oh, yeah. cool. Just did you guys have a, a small bench? Yeah. That yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a bucket <laughs> list, man. That's fucking... Uh-huh. You got that's that's cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> I definitely want to check out. That's like you... going to San Diego and doing the uh, garage with the fucking Hemis. I got oh, the, to do that with yeah, uh, Kramer and Marius and those guys, and I was like, "This is bucket list shit!" Like that was <laughs> the best day ever. The yeah. run. So yeah, fun. the run exactly. <laughs> uh, I saw you post on your story like asking people who they thought of when they thought of China Banks, but I want to know who you think of when you think of China Banks. Well, um, there's this guy who uh, was a huge impact on me named Phil Shao, and he was a pro skater for Think Skateboards, and he did some shit there at a time when not a lot of shit was going down and he did it in a way that you couldn't even have Bob Ross paint it and look that good. It was so like just beautiful and just to, to, I don't know. He, he was so important to me and like where I am today would never have happened without him. So he's the first guy I think of always in skateboarding, really. Um, but an interesting thing about the spot is Dan Drahobel, who is also a good friend of mine. Um, he did a board slide to fakie over a small bench, probably 90, uh, maybe 96 or 97, I think. 
and nobody else did something on over the the bench on the top like that for like I think it was 15 years. Wow. Wow. So that kind of explains to you, like, you know, like people went back there and skated it for sure, but nobody took that approach. Um, he skates that place like nobody else. He, he skates it like a half pipe where he can just go down the whole thing. He's had lines where he wallies the very end up onto the bench and then hits it and does a ollie to fakie over the last bench stale fish, like all kinds of shit. Um, he's definitely, for me, the one that's had the most uh, cool shit go down and then immediately followed by Dennis Buzenitz. Yeah. I skated it differently, but done some insane shit on it as well. With that being said, you you have to include Mike Archimedes in every discussion because he's the OGSF skater that pretty much found that spot as a skate spot. He was the guy that went there with his skateboard and said, whoa, you could ride this and did it for the first time. So he has to be in those conversations as well as Tommy Guerrero, who's pretty much the Mark Gonzalez of San Francisco, like he's our street guy. He's, he's everything for us. And he helped Thrasher so much and helped skateboarding so much. And, you know, putting the China banks into the animal chin video, I think blew it up to a whole nother level. When people saw them skating it in that video, Mm -hmm. that really put it on the map more. And of course, Julian Stranger, um, you know, those would be the, those would be, there's a huge cast of people that have done rad shit there, but those guys, I think, kind of paved the way for, you know, the other guys like Dan Vanderlinden that just came and killed it more recently or Yarne or, I don't know, there's so many dudes that have done, I think, uh, uh Colby, Cody Chapman recently, I think he had a hurricane over the bench. With, wow. Yeah, he did. Fucking, that was fucking gnarly. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe Rainey might have tail slid or something. I think Rainey had something over it recently too. And those guys are just like the new generation following what those guys in that same type of vein. And, I, I, those are, that's why I'm attracted to those kind of skaters is they bring that ATV, uh, you know, just kind of roots a little more roots and more aware of their history, which I think is important for people to have. Um, yeah, totally. I, I think, was it Jack Fardell who frontside carved over a long bench? It was like the cover of Transworld. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, I remember seeing that before I ever went there, and I was like, I was like, wait, this isn't Switch or anything. Like this guy got a cover, like frontside carving, and then you go there, and you're like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's it's kind impossible. of fucked. <laughs> but, yeah. And then Eli Reed Switch did it. Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dude. That's so yeah. That spot is legendary. I mean, was it Julian who did like the top rope, like five zero, like? On on the ledge, like up up top of the bank, or 
Um, I think actually Phil did cardio was the first one to do top rope. I think he did 50. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Danny Sergeant rolled in, um, way back in the day, which was really cool. I think it was a new deal ad or something. Um, yeah, there's been some really cool shit. Uh, yeah, and then I've been like kind of, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about the internet too, is you can kind of type in these hashtags or whatever and like get this whole run of like all this information like pretty instantly. It's pretty cool to see like, oh, I never saw that photo of Nottis doing a lip slide or, or whatever, <laughs> you know? That's uh, sick. Yeah, it's cool to see the evolution of the spot and how everybody has a different approach when they skate it too. Uh, even recently, just seeing uh, in the Vans women's video for credits, Brianna Gearing does the impossible off the bench into the bank. Uh, and, like, that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, that, it's, was, it's rad. that was fucking. Yeah. yeah. A spot that's been around for so long and there's still, you know, there's still other ways to approach it and find ways to make it um, just still have that importance and, and change it in this in this day and age is awesome, man. Yeah, it it's, relevant. it's, it's, and you never know when they're going to reconstruct it or tear it down or whatever. So it's kind of like this, uh, it's like a time watch, uh, uh, you know, the sand, you just don't know what level the sand's at ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, uh, uh, do you guys know about Joel Valdez? No. So there's this guy, Joel Valdez, and he, um, did, something a long time ago that is still pretty crazy to this time. The bridge has like a, a angle at the end of it that goes like out. So it opens it up and on the top of the bridge, there's these ledges and in the corner where it opens up is this big like ball. Um, it's like an ornament, right? And he rode on the top and ollied, outside the ball so he was over the the other side of the bridge like if you fell you fall like 40 feet or something to the ground Holy and he shit. ollied outside of that to the other side and then came off onto the uh bench and came into the bridge that way and that was a real big deal um it's still a pretty big deal um but it was a huge deal when it happened yeah, yeah. heavy Shit. Well, to I wanted to ask too, like to bring it even outside of China Banks a little, and I've heard you ask guests on your show this, but like, what's like the gnarliest trick that you've filmed and like seen through the lens or with your own eyes at China Banks? No, just anywhere, like in throughout your career. Oh shit! Uh-huh. <laughs> um, fuck. I know that's you a, mentioned yeah, you were there hard. for Miles Silvis Wallenberg, right? But. Yeah, I filmed a lot of things at, at Wallenberg. Um, like Chris Cole's Backside 360 comes to mind. That was oh, really shit. fucked up. And Chris yeah. Joslin Ghetto flipped it like second try, I think. That was really Jeez. fucked up. Uh you know the thing that always comes to mind for some reason, and I don't know if it was the gnarliest thing that I've ever filmed, but for the time and um, 
and just the process and because he's just such a unique rad dude. I always think of Jim Greco's switch frontside flip at Lincoln. Uh, oh, we went there. Yeah, it was like a time where he was on zero, but he was kind of leaving zero to start the new thing. And he was talking to Jamie on the phone and like, it was interesting, you know, to just be a part of that. And he was, he was not sober at all. He was the furthest thing from sober at the time. And that yeah. was interesting. And then we went to the spot and he switched frontside flips, this huge stair set. And, um, the photo didn't come out exactly like cover worthy. It was like, it was cool, but it wasn't like he could have done a better, he could have shot the photo a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, Jim wanted the cover. And I think that there was like a carrot dangling. Like if you go back and do it again, I'll shoot it better and we'll get the cover, which he uh-huh. eventually got. But that's not an easy thing to do. So it took like three more times to get the second make. Um Wow. And wow. that whole process was just a battle that you wouldn't – I mean, skating by yourself is, I give a lot of props to people that can, you know, raise their adrenaline enough to do these super gnarly things when they don't have anyone else to feed off. And, uh, that was, that was really cool. Um, but I've, I've been fortunate. I've, I've, I, I don't mean to leave anybody out. I hope I'm not dissing anyone, but I, I've filmed <laughs> a lot of cool things for sure. Um, the Greco thing, though, was it, it always sticks. Uh, Wallenberg, though, is never – you can never get jaded enough <laughs> to not appreciate something that happens at Wallenberg. Everything yep. I've filmed there has felt like the ending of a video. Like, every trick that somebody's made at Wallenberg has felt like the last trick of the last part of a video. Like, it's just monumental. And so all those, I mean, I've filmed at least probably 20 things, that, you know, probably more um, with the contests that we've had there and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so those are the ones without thinking too long about it that I would, I would, you know. That's rad. Yeah, well, I mean, just like hearing specific instances like that is always rad. Mm. That's really cool. Um, Ruben, did you have a, another question? I know I've been asking a lot. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask, I mean, this is, we're just transitioning a little bit. Um, but I was going to ask just on top of talking about, you know, tricks that you've seen go down in person, like what's some of the best places that skateboarding has taken you or like what's like some of the favorite, uh, most fond memories that you have? Mm. Yeah, I would say Copenhagen is uh, uh, yeah. kind of, kind of uh, just magical place. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to beat Copenhagen in, in June. I've yeah. never been there in the winter. I bet it's the complete opposite and probably <laughs> not that rad. But in June, when everybody's out and 
the girls are all on their bikes riding around in shorts with smiles, <laughs> and the guys are all skating the, around and drinking beers in the streets. And the, it, it's just like this crazy, like, uh, I don't know how to even, you can't. But, uh, yeah, I would say Copenhagen probably. Yeah. We, yeah. Ruben and I have, have both been to Copenhagen and separate instances and at that time. And I, I can attest to that, that it's one of the greatest cities in the world. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you go there on like a, a hell ride trip or, uh, one of those thrashers. Well, it, it was a it was a hell ride trip, but it wasn't a hell ride like it wasn't a hell ride, but it was a hell ride of a trip. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got I got on the airplane to my phone ringing that um, the owner of Deluxe had just killed himself, and so I just got on the plane after dealing with that and flew 11 hours by myself to meet Jake and Jake was fucked up drinking a lot. And, uh, it was really heavy, man. That was a really like hellish beginning. But then, uh, man, there's no place I would have rather been. It was, it, it, it just kind of like the thing that happens with, uh, death and, and mourning and all those type of things is like you really build these bonds and like I think me and Jake really grew together during that period and then uh from there we went to Paris and just kind of had like the best four or five days of our life so mm -hmm. it was like it, it was kind of a hell ride but it wasn't a quote unquote you know like trademark hell ride <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, that, it's cool. The skateboarding can bring you uh, all over the world. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's pretty neat. What was that? Oh, oh no, can you I hear was me? just. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, no, I was just gonna say it's rad that like we've all gotten to go experience that same city in all different times and it's kind of all of our it's cool to share that in common that we've all been there and got to experience it yeah i mean i would say inside the united states that portland and san diego are two of my favorites you know like i love <laughs> if someone's like you want to go to portland it doesn't take long for me to say yes yeah, same with san diego you know i i don't really um i don't really like los angeles um but I love once I get to San Clemente, from there to the border, uh, I love. So, uh -huh. uh, yeah, that's rad. Um, down there. Do you uh, going back to your podcast? Like, do you have a, a favorite episode so far that you've been able to do? Uh, the Favorite one that I've already done? Yeah. Uh, let's see. That Mother's Day one was really, really cool. I love the concept of that and hearing oh, right. those women talk about their, yeah. their sons. 
that evolved into something cooler than I anticipated. And I got to give props to my fiance, Cheryl, for that. She, she's the executive director of the show and she, um, loves to kind of help me with some directing of these things. She knows what I'm capable of doing. And she a lot of times gives me some ideas to kind of do it. And that was really a lot of her idea. Um, and then once that builds into it, it built into this thing that was bigger than either of us thought, which was really cool to kind of hear from like Lizzie's mom and Raven's mom uh, is so cool. And uh, Mrs. Tabit, she's great. And, uh, you know, talking to Curran's mom. And I talked to uh, Karen Jones in Brazil, which was really amazing. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that brings us back to, like, that would never have been possible without Zoom and the Internet, right? Like, I couldn't have done that episode having all those women in my office in person. So. Mm -hmm like that have kind of made me think outside the bubble and try to like do cool shit like that while we're in this pandemic time um yeah that was good I, I it's hard to put a finger on my favorite one but i definitely love talking to people with good stories um jason jesse is like one of my best friends and i know him really well and I got to learn some stuff I didn't know about him and, and he tells stories to me like nobody else can. And, and so that's always like a super pleasure, um, to have someone with his, like, if you want to use the word star power or whatever on your show, but talking to him comfortably enough to get these rad moments. I'm just so, you know, fortunate to have that, um, and then Bryce tonight and Joe Fong, uh, having the early San Francisco days, those mean a lot to me. I love uh, Keith Cochran, too. Just getting to hear about more Fausto stories, more Thrasher stories, more San Francisco early days. Those are the things that are really, like, that's the best, that's gold for me. I And, and that's what I try to do is try to um, – you know, I try to feed myself. I, I, I work at Thrasher and a lot of times we can be guilty of, um, you know, using a certain person maybe to like get the numbers that you need or whatever. And for my podcast, I really want it to be more about like Darren Everett said, this is for the ones. It's not the numbers. It's the ones. And I really held up to that, which is basically it means like, you're doing this for the people that matter, not for the math, the, you know, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. Like we don't care about the numbers in this field. We care about the stories and the importance of the people that were actually doing it. And, uh, to me, that really matters a lot, especially in the podcast. So sometimes you'll get like, I did one with the San Francisco Giants photographer, you know, and, Maybe the numbers weren't that high, but to me, a kid that grew up on baseball, getting to go into where my favorite team, the Giants, play and talk to a photographer that's friends with all these guys, like, that is my childhood dream along with the Rashers. So, like, for me, I need to do it. Like, I have access to that. Why wouldn't I do it? 
You know, I did one recently with a co-creator of a wrestling show, um, which is just a phenomenal uh, documentary series called uh, Darker Side of the Ring. And a lot of people probably looked at that like, wait, I thought this was a skateboarding podcast. What's this wrestling bullshit? To me, (laughs) the stories those wrestlers have blow doors on any motherfucker out there. I challenge you to come up with somebody that has gnarlier stories than these guys. And so, like, to me, it was a no-brainer again. It's like, you know, using um, your connections to certain things that you're able to, like, get into an area, like, and, and get some stuff that you don't even know about or that you can learn from. I think that stuff is what is my quote-unquote favorite you know yeah those are some of the best episodes too like even to listen to i i think like like yeah i want to hear from dennis buchanitz and like jason jesse and those guys but then i put on like one of your episodes with like um like a skate shop owner or or i listened to like the wrestling one you just did and it's like this is almost more interesting because you literally have no expectations like going into it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true too. I, the one that I did with Dandy from 510 skate shop yeah. was, it was this one that um, I wanted to do and I, I hit her up and she was a little nervous about it. She was a little apprehensive, kind of like, wait, you have like, these big-name guys, what am I, like, he kind of felt, I think, a little insecure about being in the same context. But I'll tell you, and I'll tell her if she ever listens to this interview, um, it was one of the highest, like, people love that episode. People Mm -hmm. love hearing from a woman. People love hearing from a woman that owns her own skate shop. it was really inspiring for a lot of people. And that kind of stuff is, you know, like, I think like that's how you get to know what your favorite is because you have your favorite in-person interview, right? Where you're like, Oh, this is like, I'm a kid in a candy store. I love <laughs> Tell me about how they came up with the number 43 or fucking maps to the skaters homes or whatever. Right. But then, you get this other feeling from when you release the podcast and you get some of the trickle in of the comments or the emails or people in person telling you which episode they liked and why. And that carries a lot of weight into what your favorite is too. So those things all are different and it's an interesting balance, you know, like, my favorite interview probably might not have been the favorite one that like everyone likes to listen to necessarily. And uh, hearing like you tell me like, Oh, I love that mother's day. Like that shit is really special for me. When someone, I got an email from a guy from Australia yesterday telling me how much like my podcast helped him going through. He, He had a stroke and he couldn't skate for months and, he was listening to podcasts and he found mine and he really loved it. And like, I, this sounds crazy to me that I'm even saying this, but like that I made a difference in this guy's life that's on the other side of the world. Like that shit is priceless. And it's like, I just, I can't do anything but like make fun of it because I feel embarrassed. But like, 
you know, my girlfriend's like, how, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He must be crazy, right? Like that <laughs> initial reaction is like, well, how did I do anything? But like, I guess I am doing something and like, that's, that's really honorable and special. And I think like those are the things that as we get older and wiser, we're going to gravitate more and more towards like leaving this planet kind of, of making a positive impact on someone or something. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the goal. Just trying to help out in, in any way that you can. And it's, 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 yeah, it's awesome that we can do that just through coming together as skateboarders and making something happen. Right. Who are some of your, uh, like, if you had a dream top three or something, who would be some of the guys like, that you would love to get on your show before you call it quits? Uh, Ruben, what, I want to know your answers. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's a tough one. Um, let me think about this. I, <laughs> top three, I mean, I'll give, I think, I think doing one with the chief would be interesting just because we did, you brought that up earlier and we've talked to like Adam Arunsky. We talked to Dane. We've talked to other writers that have been a part of zero, but I do think it would be interesting to get uh -huh. his perspective. Um, just to kind yeah, of tie in with that a little more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep, I'm going to ponder on that a little more. Uh, Nick, what about can you? We, what do you think? Can I throw one in? Can I throw yeah. one in for you while you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say Keen Lou. Oh, the donger? Yeah. That's <laughs> the donger. That the would be. Needs to be... <laughs> the donger is like, you know, donger for sure. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a possibility, too. You know what you need is you need these pioneers of San Diego that can tell you why guys like Rhino moved there. Like, yeah. why is why are these transplants living in your town now? Because these pioneer <laughs> guys, right? And and those are the people you need to to talk to and get them before they pass and and figure out like, dude, how did you even discover that curb cut? Like, that's so sick. Now everybody skates it. Or like, you know, yeah. what Kramer's favorite spot? Like, you were the one that fucking found it like whatever like that shit's yeah. so cool to me i don't know <laughs> no that's yeah that would be that would be legendary i i used to see him skating around uh a while ago and it's been it's been a while since i've like been in contact with him or seen him at parks around town but yeah that would be that'd be a great person to have on for sure yeah um, who, who do you got? What, let, who's one of your okay? One of your top three. <laughs> well, uh, Burnett. I mean, just uh -huh. like the skate nerd in me, like I, I just would love to have a conversation with that guy. Um, here's the here's the question I got for you. Okay. Uh huh. I'm see, I'm turning the I'm turning the interview around now. I'm going I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to. But real, real quick, I, I, I always wonder this. Um, have you guys thought about this at all? Do you think, let's say you have someone like Mike Burnett on your show, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Are you are you wanting him on your show for him to retell stories on your show? Or are you <laughs> wanting him on your show to hear him say something that nobody knows on your show? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's interesting that you bring that up because we, we had a conversation uh, a few nights ago, actually. We had a call with Rob Brink. And we we had a discussion about the entire interview process and how we'd never want to have to answer or ask the same question twice. Um, and it's really it's really important to like pick up where somebody has left off uh, and maybe you know cover a part of that story that most people don't know about or try to steer the conversation in a different direction. But yeah, I mean, I right. think I think it would be rad to have Burnett involved in like speak about some things that people don't already know about or get his perspective on things in skateboarding that aren't commonly discussed. I mean, I, I definitely think that would be something we would place more importance on instead of just being like, what was it like, you know, shooting this, this cover at this time? Like every, you know, everybody knows or like talking about, you know, any like my wars that he's had that he's been interviewed on. It's like most people are already going to know the answer to that. But yeah, I think it's important just from a journalistic perspective and as skate nerds, like we want to, we want to bring something new to the table and have the conversation go in a direction where it hasn't before. So are well, you going into the approach as you're more of a journalistic approach where you want to obtain some information that's not out there? Or are you going into the interview more as an entertainer approach where you just want them to tell the best stories that's going to entertain your fan base? For me, I would say uh, maybe the journalistic approach, but but it's also more of like a selfish thing. Like it's a personal thing that I want to talk to those people because I like talking to people that like because I I never I will never be like a sponsored skater, but I'm interested in people who have these careers inside of skateboarding, not for their skills on the board. So, like, right. it's more of a personal thing of, like, hearing their journey, how they got there, why they did what they did, and then, like, also hearing their opinions on, like, different things. Um, that's what's interesting to me. And if I get some cool untold stories in that process, even better. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you guys look at, like, your – do you do you have a, a – what's it called? Like, a counter or whatever? Like, do you see, like, your episodes and see popularity in them, or does that not matter to you? I, I see it, yeah. Um, okay. I, I so you do it. have, like, uh, something that counts the, the number of uh, listens or whatever? Yeah. Um, well, on Anchor, they show you that, and most of our streams are on Spotify, and they have pretty good analytics. And obviously, like, the big-name pros get, like, the most listens, but it also depends on, like, how the person who's in the podcast uh, promotes it and uh, and stuff like that. But uh, Right. And what do you think about that? Like, how do you feel about um... – Let's just say you do have Jamie Thomas on, right? And he's like this really popular guy, but then he doesn't really promote his uh, interview. But he comes on the show, and he's a really great guy. He does everything you want, but at, at, when it comes out, he does nothing to help promote it. Are you yeah. okay with that? Or do you feel, like, slanted a little, or how, what do you think? I I'm, I mean, yeah, you feel, like, a little bummed because – 
you would hope that the people who follow him and are fans of him would want that episode and like seek it out to go listen. But yeah. also it's like, I get the personal satisfaction of, of interviewing that guy. And like, that's cool for me too. Like that I get to go the rest of my life. Like, dude, I had a great conversation with so and so like that's, that's like a important thing to me too. Right. Cool. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, if I would love for that person to promote it and if they don't then like oh well but I got to talk to them and like so the 13 year old me is like would be super hyped on that but like, there's just like and Jamie Thomas might be the wrong person to use as an example <laughs> but yeah. um, there are a lot of people out there that just feel weird about promoting themselves like hey check me out I was on a podcast right yeah like, uh, so that's that's interesting to think of it like that, you know, from that perspective, like, oh, I wasn't dissing you guys. I just kind of don't really feel comfortable saying, hey, look at all this shit I'm doing or something, you know. But yeah. in today's world, that's kind of like what's going on. So it's it's tricky. Well, here's the other side, too, is like we had Chris Cole on early in the show when we were still like figuring it out. And he he's the best and he he made a post on his story on his main page and everything and you would think like oh this guy has a million followers you're gonna get a thousand followers no like we got a few maybe like that episode's got like you know one of our higher amounts of listening but it's not like as big as you would think it would whereas like Uh we interview this guy who has like two thousand three thousand followers but he's a really great guy and people really like him because he's a good dude and he gets just almost just as many listens and maybe, you know, it shows you like the average listen time is even higher on that episode compared to like Chris Cole's episode. Yeah. Now I can see that. Um, so we, I try to have a good mixture of both like popular people, but also just like people that are really likable that, you know, like it's almost like quality versus quantity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, somebody that has good stories is just like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. But I, I also, uh, I, I adjust my interview. Like Chris Cole comes on. I'm not like he's, uh, he's been on the nine club. I'm not like, so how did you like start skateboarding? You know, it's just like, no, tell me, like, what's your opinion on, like, all this bullshit or whatever? Hmm. That's cool that he came on early when you guys were doing it. Did you guys know him? Uh, Ruben has skated with him a, few, a couple times. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's Red. His, um, his wife, Red, works uh, for this beer company called Modern Times, and my girlfriend works for them as well so they became friends and uh through that we ended up skating together and we go out every now and again and yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy the connections that you'll make in that (laughs) you know i never thought that like i would have a chance to just go casually skate with chris cole but it's it's rad we go out pretty pretty often yeah i think that the stuff that um oh you're cutting out like instagram uh uh 
instant comments and all that stuff. And podcasting to me is kind of a little more retro where it's like kind of word of mouth a little bit more. There's no like place necessarily, unless you put it on a website or something with a feed underneath it, you're not going to get like all these critical, you know, like YouTube is just like, First, second, third, fourth, fifth. Hey, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And you're like, where do, when do I start like uh, digesting? Like, when does this stuff matter? Because the first twenty is just a bunch of bullshit kids that are trying to be on every page, like a graffiti artist or something. And like, is there anything that I should take uh, serious on here? You know, uh, but like, when's the podcast thing? I feel like it's like if someone actually takes the time to email you or like call you or see you in person and shout it out, it just like the, that feeling is something that I think has been lost in the new generation. And I love it so much to see like, kind of like how we were talking about, uh, you know, when someone dies um, and then all of a sudden they get everybody telling them that they love them, but they're dead. So they never knew. It's kind of like that. Like you just, you're just like, holy shit. It's super cool that you're supporting me or that what I did you appreciate or something like that. Whereas like on Instagram, it's just like a heart or like, I, I'm not taking anything away from that because I'm guilty of it all. And I, I love all that stuff too. But at the same time, like, you know, if you make a shirt and someone buys it, that's just insane. Like the, the level of support you feel is, is, is very different and, uh, very rewarding for like the artistic mind, you know, like somebody that's creative and wants to create things. Those are things that are getting lost. Like in this world where we don't really have DVDs or full length videos as much anymore and all that stuff. Like it's just kind of cool to be like, there's still something I can make and get to somebody else without the internet, you know, as it, as the supplier. That's why, like, not to get too political, but like, that's why we try as hard as we can not to use Amazon all the time. It's like, we need to support skate shops. Like, that's a huge important thing that like, the skate shops, the brick and mortar, those places need to fucking exist because their role in kids growing up in skateboard world is like priceless. Like there's nothing we could ever say to give those people enough credit. It's much in the same vein as like teachers are getting a lot of credit right now by these grumpy parents that are having to do homeschooling and they Mm -hmm. can't believe how the fuck do these teachers do this? Right. So maybe these underpaid teachers are going to get paid more after this. Right. But like the skate shops are the teachers of skateboarding like they're the ones that let the kids come in and make all the mistakes you know i want tractor trucks no you don't what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) you know like and and you you get tough love but you learn not to be a kook and that shit's important yeah yeah you nailed it yeah if you're yeah you're like oh yeah, if you order a board off Amazon that's like comes pre gripped and shit, it's like no, you go to the shop and the beauty on the counter. On backward. Yeah. yeah it's fucked <laughs> up. You know, and like you don't really get to like sit in a shop and watch a video with your peers and 
and see things and get that feeling. It's like, you know, like, uh, asking questions and, and, and feeling like the feel of a board, putting on the carpet and putting your feet on it and feeling the different concaves and the wheelbase and all those different things that really are important that like Amazon could never explain to you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, the lessons learned in a shop are like invaluable. Like there's this, it's what takes you through this whole experience of being a skateboarder. Yeah. And the other thing is when you go on a road trip, you go to a foreign city you've never been to, what's the first thing you do? You look up the skate shop to find out where the spots are. Where's the best place to eat? Where's the cheapest hotel? Like, these are your allies, your comrades. These are the people that are, you know, they're they're looking for your best interest. So we need to support them and make sure that they still exist through every situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been buying and shirts like the, the Lotties guys. They, yeah. Those guys fucking rule. They made all these shirt uh, shirt graphics for all these shops, and all the shops started making these, like, Lottie Series uh, support skate shop shirts. Yep. And I started buying one or two a week. I was just like, this is how I'm going to support the shops. Like, I don't have to just go to Deluxe SF. I can go online and buy one in uh, Pennsylvania, Ignition Skate Shop, my homie Brian Sieber. Like, all these different people, like, that I know are probably – you know, losing their mind right now. Like, this is weird times. We we can't have our shop open. How are we going to do this? I don't have an online shop. Well, fuck, let's get together and support these dudes. Like, that's a way that you can do something positive to support something in the vein that you want. That's not throwing a, a skateboard through a fucking window to get a free TV or beating a cop over the head with it. Like, use your brain and do something for the right causes, and I think you're going to feel better about yourself. Hell, yeah. Am I See, preaching? No, dude, you're no. doing it. No. <laughs> okay. I like I, it. I'm There's... sorry if I am, and, like, I hate, like, I, I don't mean to be, like, you know, like, I don't want to be the guy that's, like, forcing you, whatever. Like, this is just what I think. Yeah. No. Take well, it with a grain of salt. Do what you want, but... This is what I'm trying to do with my life. And if you're listening to this, I don't know how many people are listening to this, but if you're listening to it, it's because probably you're trying to get in tune with something that I say or do. And so that's why I'm saying it. Yeah. And, you know, this is your interview. Like, you are usually the one asking the questions. And so we wanted to talk to you to get your opinion on these things. So as this is why we called you, man, or, or you called us. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't. I'm doing all right. You're doing great, man. Uh, I yeah, don't want to. You're crushing it. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much of more of your time because you've been very generous with it, and uh, I appreciate and want to thank you again for calling us. Um, to to kind of wrap it up here, do you uh, or start to wrap it up? Do you have any? Um, other advice for like skateboarders during quarantine or um how how we can kind of just get through this and and uh you know besides uh i mean we talked about supporting skate shops and whatnot yeah well okay here's what i would say 
I would say that you want to treat people like you want to be treated. Um, if you don't like being judged, maybe don't judge others, right? If you don't like getting beat up, why would you go fight people? Like, if you don't like being sworn at or all that shit, like, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. And uh, with the quarantine thing is, um, me and my fiancé have been uh, kind of, we've been using this as an unsaid rule, and it's basically like, Okay, would you go visit your mom right now? And if your mom's still alive, would would you go visit her right now? Would you go be in person with her in these unsaid times? Would you risk giving her that, uh, you know, coronavirus or whatever this flu thing is? Would you risk that? If you wouldn't, why would you do that with somebody else? Mm-hmm. So... I think just like using your brain more, um, trying to get creative, like creativity and always, first, always is humor. Make sure that you're fucking laughing and, and just, you know, take the piss out of shit and make shit funny and, and you're going to get through life in such a better way when all these angry fuckers and stressful fuckers they're going to be dead so early because they're fucking stressing and like getting angry. Like all these guys on the slap message boards worrying about like whatever they're worried about and think they're making a difference by all their hate and all this crap. It's like these YouTubers with their army of like, fuck this guy or fuck that. It's like, man, those people are just, they don't have anything going. They're bored and nothing is going to work for them. Like, and that's not really funny to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, be creative and be funny. And, and I think you're going to go a long way. As far as like indoor sports, we got puzzles going real heavy at our house. (laughs) We're on number nine in the jigsaw puzzle, uh, world. Uh, we're up to a thousand pieces and that's been fun and challenging. And we just did an ACDC one, which was really cool. Um, and then like, you know, with everything, you want to stay away from boredom. So try to mix it up as all as often as you can. Try to do something a little different, you know, switch sides of the bed, uh, eat something <laughs> different, fucking, you know, go to a restaurant you've never been to, uh, get them to deliver or whatever it is. Like, you know, just that that everyday same Groundhog's Day feeling uh we laughed because i was like remember groundhog's day in the beginning it sucked but at the end he was like finding the hot chick he was saving the guy's <laughs> life doing all these rad things and he made the best groundhog's day ever so <laughs> try to create this rad groundhog's day and everything that sucks push it aside and keep the rad and pretty soon you'll have it dialed in uh uh, that's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's solid advice for sure. Uh, Ruben, did you have any uh, last questions as we wrap it up with Schmitty? Uh Well, yeah, just before before we conclude, um, where can people keep up with you and your podcast? If you wanted to shout that out at this time. Okay. Yeah. Um, well. Well, yeah. Talking <laughs> shit is 
T-A-L-K-I-N. No G. It's like talking, not talking. So it's talking. <laughs> and then Schmidt is short for Schmitty, and it rhymes with shit. So it's S-E-H-M-I-T. That's talking Schmidt. That's the podcast, and you can just pretty much find it anywhere, like uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. Uh, Anchor hosts it, which has been, uh, you know, the easiest way I could figure out to do it. And that, that's that been great, you know. Um, you guys use Anchor, too. I mm-hmm. was wondering, have you guys ever tried using the uh, – they they have a little tool that I haven't fucked with and no one's fucked with it for me. And I was always kind of like a little excited. Maybe we could do it for each other if you guys are down, but I think you can call in like with a question, like you leave it on the thing and then it just records it and puts it in your bank. And then you can add it to your podcast. Uh, we oh, that, would that. Be, uh, that would be cool. So, like, if I go find your podcast on Anchor, I think there's a, a record button on the computer, and I hit it, and I'm like, hey, guys, uh, this is Schmitty. I just wanted to say I love your show, and, uh, <laughs> dude, that episode you did with Schmitty was beyond Thunderdome, bro. I love it. <laughs> and then you fucking, like, chime it into your thing, and that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah. that seems like a cool thing that nobody's taking advantage of. Uh, maybe I just haven't uh, publicized it well enough or something. I don't know. Um, but then also you can find me on Talking Schmidt as a Instagram, too, and Facebook, all that stuff. I have a website, basically, is the easiest way. If you go to TalkingSchmidt.com, it has all my socials and every podcast I've ever done with photos and video and stuff of the guests and uh, a link to the merchandise that we try to sell and just all that stuff. So that's kind of a good portal to get um, to it. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on here. Um, It would be cool to do a little uh, crossfire thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That would be awesome. I was going to have to say, look yeah. into it and see how it works, but, uh, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, I wanted to, you, you have a big section on your podcast for shout outs. So I wanted to give you a chance to send out any shout outs <laughs> you might want to give right now. Wow. Huge shout out moment. Um, well, the first shout out has to go to Tim McKenney because he kind of invented the shout out on the podcast accidentally Shout he came out on the show early, and he was like, "Shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out!" And I was just <laughs> laughing, like he shouted out so many fucking people that I took one of his shout out um, audio, you know, grabs and put it in every future uh, podcast. Anytime somebody was like, "Shout out," I would put Tim going, "Shout out!" So I got <laughs> Tim a shout out. And it, if you don't know who Tim McKenney is, Google him. He's awesome. Local kid that pro skater for Think for years and just an amazing dude, amazing skateboarder. So big love to Tim McKenney. He, he gives a lot of help for, uh, my podcast as well. He does some first impressions. He does some, uh, you know, he just does some input for me mentally. He's always the first guy that listens to it and texts me at like six in the morning with, what he liked and what he didn't like. And I appreciate that a lot. 
Uh, shout out to my mom, Judy. Shout out to my fiance, Cheryl. Shout out to fucking everybody that's in my life that knows who they are. Um, if you've been on my podcast, 100% shout out. If you've listened to my podcast, 100% shout out. If you've bought any merch off the fucking podcast, huge shout out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, all you people that are struggling but keeping the you know the the dream going um big shout out to you skate shops everywhere the lotties crew for sure ignition 510 deluxe sf uh slappy's garage down in your neck in the of the world yeah yeah carney fuck yeah uh shout out to wes kramer because he is fucking (laughs) probably one of my favorite skater of the years of ever and one of my favorite human beings and he's in your neck of the woods shout out to joe brooke in portland oregon i feel like jim thebo i could just thank people forever man you got to <laughs> <laughs> oh dude we i back it man yeah uh but fuck man um yeah that's good like uh the podcast world is 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 it's growing i feel it you know like i feel a lot of people are gravitating towards that and i don't feel any competition i feel like um people that come up to me they always want to talk about the nine club and 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 kind of like in a derogatory way or something and i'm like man i'm not competing against the nine club i'm not competing at all i'm competing against myself i want to make each show better than the one i did and i love the nine club they're doing skateboarding and they're doing it their way fucking more power to everybody like let everybody do it and the ones that are going to gravitate to the ones they like like that's you know that's what happens it's like you follow like ten thousand people on instagram or you follow five but that's up to you yeah yeah i think there's not you know there could be so much more i mean there's an unlimited amount of deck companies out there and they're managing to do it. So, I mean, 10 skateboard podcasts or whatever it is, is like not going to hurt anybody. Thanks again for doing this. And I think uh, we, I I mean, it's cliche, but I I feel like we could talk to you forever and (laughs) I don't want to take up your whole Sunday, but uh, yeah, man, thanks again for doing this. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thank you so much. No, thank you guys. It's uh, cool to, you know, just get reached out to. I can't um I can't say enough how cool it is and how much I appreciate people emailing me and uh you know, telling me a little bit about themselves or reaching out like that this I did affected them this way or those things like I don't know, man, they're just really priceless. It's really cool. And, and when you guys reach out to me and you say you want to take some of your time by talking to me like i appreciate it you know like i i think it's cool and keep doing what you're doing and uh let me know when this goes up and i'll be uh interested to try to like look into this anchor thing maybe we can do a little something funny with it or something yeah i'm <laughs> let's down do it. and then we all yeah, i, I want to call i want to call in on my own show <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Quarantine Call with Shieldless Mag. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the episode, share it on Instagram and tag us at Shieldless Mag. 
Make sure to follow Schmitty at Talking Schmidt and check out his podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you enjoy the beat that's playing, it's by our friend Beats by Dojo. You can find a link to his music in the description. And we hope you're all staying safe and staying positive out there. We'll see you next time on Quarantine Call. Cheers.